Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. Today, we are breaking down the betting market for the AFC and highlighting our favorite plays. I am very excited for this episode. Here with me is Chris Rabon, a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And joining us is the one and only Warren Sharp, the proprietor of Sharp Football Analysis and Sharp Football Stats. Warren, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to, guys. This is, I think, a fantastic time of year because uh, we're starting to get preseason action. We can get something of a look at uh, what these teams are actually going to be like in the coming season. So uh, really great to have you on the show. For everyone listening, this episode is something of a companion piece to the earlier episode we did with Cynthia Freeland in which we broke down the NFC. Be sure to check out that episode and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Warren, let's jump into it. You are a master of data, uh, and then not only data, but looking at data and how it relates to the betting market. So can you talk about your analytical process for looking at teams to create a forward-facing projection uh, for how a team might do the following year? Well, I give myself about a week, two weeks off right after the Super Bowl to kind of decompress because then I go back to the lab, so to speak, and just start cranking away researching. Um, we know at that point certain coaches that have been fired, and, and that's one of the big things I think that in a lot of the research that I do, I try to account for is the impact of coaching. And it's not just you know who's in charge, but also the play callers and their decision-making, what are their tendencies, because one of the things that I've seen in through the course of kind of like being able to make predictions accurately, whether it's on a weekly basis, like Chris and I did, uh, you know, a, a video podcast like a couple of years ago, or it's like on a season long basis is that coaches have such massive control over the direction that their teams and players head. And if we don't account for what we think they're going to do enough, uh, we could find ourselves, you know, running up the wrong tree. And so I spend a lot of time on coaching. Of course, I break down, you know, what are the key metrics that I want to look at? How did the teams do last year? What types of schedules do I think they're going to face this upcoming year? And a lot of that is projection, right? You're trying to anticipate what the team is going to be in for, so to speak, with the opponents that they're going to face. We don't know for a fact what those teams are actually going to be once they get to the end of the year, but we do our best to try to forecast what we think they're going to run into on a variety of different strength of schedule metrics. Um, you get to see the the players that have left, the players that have been added through free agency, drafted, you know, so it's, it's basically like just pulling everything together and trying to just get a good understanding of how it all uh, plays in concert with one another 
another. And it, it obviously is not easy, but you guys try to do the same exact thing. And it's, it's certainly fun. And I 100% echo your sentiment about this time of year, because we finally get to see the first inklings of, you know, did something that we thought might happen? Is it getting tested out a little bit in the first, you know, series or two? And then we finally get to the third preseason game, and we might get a little bit more of that. But we really don't know some of the stuff until the season actually starts. But it, it's just super fun to dive in and research it a lot. Raymond, as Warren mentioned right there, uh, you two were on a uh, podcast together a few years ago, a couple years ago, which I should say it was actually uh, fantastic uh, listening to. A lot of information was wonderful from that. Is your process similar to the process that Warren outlined in terms of what you were doing after the season, uh, in terms of how you're evaluating teams and projecting them forward? Yeah, I mean, it's almost, I don't know if I even take two weeks off. I'm always kind of diving. It's just what I love to do. So the minute something gets announced, I'm looking at it. But I think what Warren said about the coaching is spot on. I mean, I'm working on an uh, article right now, the the three key tendencies for each team, offensive coordinator. And I mean, it must be up to about 8,000 words already because there's just so much information that impacts what's going to happen and that impact the projections that go beyond just kind of having this, you know, one size fits all uh, process for each projection. So I think coaches, organizational direction, kind of that dichotomy. I mean, I think just something as simple as, you know, in Seattle with, you know, them drafting Rashad Penny early in the first round, but Pete Carroll and the coaching staff, they love Chris Carson. And, you know, just kind of understanding that going into last year would have helped you make a projection uh, for, you know, what the Seahawks were going to do. And so there's just all these kind of things that, that I think play into play into it as far as what, you know, injury luck, strength of schedule. But I think that coaching and that organizational direction and who's kind of controlling what kind of plays get called, the design of the plays, who, who's on the field for those plays uh, has a major impact that I think goes understated. Warren, from last year, what were some of the team level surprises that you found in your research? You know, there's a variety of teams that kind of, I think you start with what teams kind of fell below what they should have done, you know. Um, and, and then, you, of course, you can look at teams that went the opposite way. I think one of the most surprising things, because this actually cuts against the grain of what some other metrics found of this team, was how efficient the San Francisco 49ers were last season, especially on early downs. And it's a metric I look at often. It's, it correlates really well to wins and losses in the NFL. If you're good at offensively and defensively on early downs, you tend to do really well in games. Uh, and they were one of only two teams that finished top 10 in early down success rate offense and defense last season. Um, if you look at like their general efficiency metrics, uh, they were bottom 10 in, in both like DVOA offense and DVOA defense. Um, they clearly had major injury issues. The most important position, of course, being the quarterback. And they lost their quarterback for mo- the majority of the season. Um, and just across the roster, they were just uh, devastated by injuries, the fourth most injured team. So the fact that they were top 10 in um, early down success rate offensively and defensively definitely stood out to me. And definitely gave me uh, the desire to think that this team is going to potentially exceed expectations or at least kind of what we thought of after the season. 
However, you look at their odds in Las Vegas, whether it's the futures, I know we're talking about the AFC, but you look at the futures market, you look at their win total. I mean, they it's been massively adjusted in a positive direction towards expecting the 49ers to do pretty well. And even if you're trying to bet them just to win the NFC West, you're not getting a very good return for your investment there. So um, I think their odds are kind of back on track, but they're definitely a team that sort that, that in, in some ways um, surprised me. And then a team that kind of uh, surprised me for the opposite reasons, where I looked at their statistics after seeing them make the playoffs. And I assumed, you know, that this is a, a, a decent enough team was the Seattle Seahawks. You know, the Seattle Seahawks, they went 10 and six and they made the postseason. They should have probably beat the Dallas Cowboys last year. But if you look at some of their metrics, especially on early down success rate, you know, this was a team that was below average offensively and in the bottom 10 defensively last season. Um, and, you know, they're a candidate, I think, that might regress back towards that number uh, this upcoming season with so much of the burden being placed on Russell Wilson to outperform. So again, just like me, I'm throwing out two NFC teams and we're talking about the AFC, but that's a couple of uh, surprises to me. All right. So you mentioned those teams right now. What do you think is the one bet that offers the most value in the market? Like the, the bet that people would be almost foolish not to make. I think, you know, I did this last year. Uh, I bet big on um, Andrew Luck. Everybody was selling Andrew Luck uh, returning from injury. I was betting on Andrew Luck returning from injury. And I think we've got a similar situation, not, not, not to the extreme, right? Andrew Luck hadn't thrown the ball for, what, over 500 days. And, uh, you know, that was like a major story in the media. But I'm really intrigued with the Carolina Panthers. They have a really low win total. They have a super, uh, you know, they only went seven and nine last year. They're projected to win, I think, like seven and a half games this upcoming season. So, again, another NFC team. But I certainly think that they're a team that uh, – they could outperform where they're projected to finish in the NFC South. I think they're a team that could outperform their win total. So definitely, uh, you know, I think there's some decent value and still uh, meat left on the bone there to bet on the futures market uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Nice. And on our last episode with Simon Bloom, we actually talked about uh, Cam Newton and how dynamic that offense was uh, last year, especially before the, the shoulder injury. So, uh, yeah, some interest there. All right, let's uh, shift into talking about the AFC, and let's start with the AFC East. And at the top of the division, you have the Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. What are your thoughts on them? And then kind of going down the rest of that conference, how do you see it playing out? Well, the Patriots are fascinating. I think the biggest uh, amount of intrigue, of course, you got the personnel, right? So if you, if you want to gloss over the personnel, uh, we could, but clearly changing – uh, and having to do something different without Rob Gronkowski. They already sort of had to adjust to his lack of mobility down the stretch last season, but not having him there at all to uh, be able to assist in the run game when, as a blocker and still go out for some pass routes is, is going to be something they're going to have to compensate for and overcome. I think statistically, and if you're looking at props and that type of thing for the New England Patriots, one thing to realize is that this team, the reason why Brady's touchdowns were, were down last year, I mean, there's a, a variety of factors, but they decided to go much more run heavy inside the 10, inside the five yard line. Uh, they struggled throwing the football down there last season and, or sorry, two years ago, went more run heavy, had a lot more uh, bang for the buck, got more touchdowns to the running backs using that strategy. We're a more efficient red zone offense as a result. So, um, Look, this this team until you dethrone them, you know, then you then you can actually start talking about it. But uh, I still think clearly they are the class of this division. 
Um, I like the, I'm much higher on the Bills than I was last year. The Bills were the team that I went the hardest of any team uh, in the futures market last year. We got the sports book out at South Point to raise their limits for us. And we, we bet as much as we could on the under seven uh, at a number. And we were fortunate in some ways that they landed on six. I mean, they could have pushed on seven potentially, but um, that, that ended up winning for us. Uh, but this team I think is, is better. I'm a big believer in Sean McDermott. Like he's just overcome too many things year in and year out um, on the defensive side of the ball. And they've got very good personnel defensively. So, uh, but, but I haven't done anything with them on the futures market whatsoever. The New York Jets are another team. They're projected to finish second in that division. I actually, you know, it's not has nothing really to do with Le'Veon Bell, although that doesn't hurt anything. I just think that Sam Darnold and his progress in year two, there are a lot of things that he was dealing with last year from primarily the coaching staff and some of the bad play calling and decision making. We know Adam Gase doesn't go very fast, but he is a more efficient play caller overall than what Sam Darnold was forced to deal with last season. And in addition, they had major wide receiver injuries, major running back issues. Um, they were constantly behind the chains and he's just in a very difficult situation. They have a tough schedule this year, but I am a believer in Sam Darnold. And then last but not least is the Miami Dolphins. And I actually don't mind their head coach. I think, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a guy who is going to get a lot out of the team, but he's got a tough task and they're outlook for him and for his future has nothing to do with what this team does in 2019. So they're building for the future. Um, who they're going to start at quarterback is going to play into how they ultimately finish here. I think it's very hard to go under. I mean, I've seen some sp spots at four and a half wins. It's very hard to go under that number, uh, but their defense is a total disaster. And, um, you know, we, we don't really know which quarterback's going to be going there. And either one is going to be under tremendous heat because of such a terrible offensive line. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my outlook. I don't really have anything super strong in this division, though. All right, Raybon, I want to kick it to you. Uh, what are your thoughts with the AFC East? We have the Patriots with a win total around 11, the Bills at six and a half, the Jets at seven, seven and a half, and the Dolphins, as Warren said, around four and a half or five. Uh, anything catch your eye there? And how do you see this division playing out? Yeah, so I mean, the Patriots have been one of the best win over in terms of their win total, one of the best over bets over, you know, in the Belichick era. Uh, however, they, they just missed it last year. And I, I don't think I would bet over 11 wins this year either. I mean, first of all, betting on a high win total, just usually not, not a smart move. But if you look at the Patriots, uh, you know, they have this stretch where they it's in week uh, week eight. They host Cleveland. Then they go to Dallas. Then they have to buy. Then they go to Philly. And then they, they play Houston, you know, and they go to Baltimore in that stretch, too. So they have a ton of kind of games where they could kind of slip up. Uh, and it could, it could kind of pile on and they end that stretch. They come home, but then, then they have to face the Kansas City Chiefs, which probably the best team in the conference right now. So it's going to be a tough stretch. They open against Pittsburgh at home. They should probably get that done. But I don't feel confident that they necessarily get to 12 wins. Tom Brady getting a year older. Uh, if you look at his career yards per attempt, 7.2 without Rob Gronkowski, 8.1 with. And that's very predictive of. Uh, you know, success is just being able to move the uh, pass the ball efficiently. It's why even though the, the Packers have had Aaron Rodgers for all these years, uh, these last four or five years, they haven't really been that successful because as good as he is at not turning the ball over and throwing touchdowns, it's not as efficient as it once was. So Patriots, I think, are leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of 
the division, but wouldn't bet on them over 11 wins. And then I am out on the Jets. I'm going under. I don't trust Adam Gase. And I just don't think when, when you saw them fire the GM, McCagnin, kind of close before camp, I just I don't know about the cohesion of the roster to what Adam Gase truly wants. He kind of said he didn't want Bell. Um, I, I think that Sam Darnold is like a Robbie Anderson sprained ankle away from being probably the league's foremost check down artist. I think, you know, Jamison Crowder probably leads that team in receiving easily. I don't trust their defense. I don't think that, I think that the schedule's tough. And I think Buffalo, I totally agree with Warren on McDermott. McDermott consistently has outperformed expectations and done less with more. They get it. I mean, they might not get the, the free agents, all the free agents that they need. And, you know, we saw Antonio Brown just kind of say, hey, like, I don't, I'm not playing here. But, you know, this team, I think, is the, the second best team in that division. And then I think it's just between Miami and the Jets for, for, for who's worse. But, but Buffalo, I think, clearly to me, uh, a, st- uh, a tier ahead of, of the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Raven, I agree with you on Buffalo. And one thing that is encouraging is that even though they have a defensive-minded head coach, they've really uh, looked to build around their young quarterback this year. And they brought in John Brown, who I think is a good weapon for Josh Allen's skill set with that strong arm. So yeah, the Bills, they're an intriguing team. The Jets, uh, I'm also with you there. Any team that has Jamison Crowder as his number one receiver uh, is probably destined to underwhelm, but that's probably just my own bias. And the Dolphins, yeah, agree totally down on them. To interject one thing on the Bills that's interesting, since we're talking about their coaching and their ability to get more, I think one of the underrated things that they did, you mentioned uh, some of the players they've got there, is we know that Josh Allen is not very accurate. And Cam Newton struggled with that as well. They're both like taller guys and they struggle with some accuracy issues. And one of the things that he did is instead of keeping their long-armed, tall receivers, they went the opposite direction and brought in their short, quick guys. You mentioned John Brown. They got Cole Beasley. Um, they got Robert Foster. All these like quick, short guys that I think are going to try to get open with wider areas where Josh Allen can still be like not quite as accurate, but there won't be a defender standing right next to him to, to that receiver. Like he's got a little bit of space there to work with. So I'm interested to see how that experiment plays out, but I think it's, it's wise to try to, you know, go in that direction for a guy like Josh Allen. So one of my questions here uh, with the Dolphins, and then we can move on to the AFC North. I think they're going to be really bad. And news has just broken. We're recording this uh, on Wednesday. But news has broken recently that Kenyon Drake uh, has a foot injury. It's questionable whether he will be ready for the the start of the season. But this team just seems to me like one you really want to fade. But uh, do you feel confident, either one of you, in going under five wins? I wouldn't go over five wins. But it's not high on my list of priorities to tie up my money going under five, uh, needing four or less. I think that's that's more likely to occur than um, going over. But I just, you know, the one thing, the one trick with the futures market, obviously, is you're not going to get paid until January. And I think that there's better places to uh, find opportunities. But that being said, you know, it certainly would not shock me if that were the case. I think under is more probable than over, but I'm, it's not super high on my list to get down on. Let's go to the AFC North. We have the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals. Uh, We have the Browns at the top of the division right now uh, with an over-under of nine and a half. Warren, how are you approaching this division? In this division, I kind of picked out the one team that I think is is not being given the proper respect 
respect. And to me, that's the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I know that the Cleveland Browns have not finished first in this division, but clearly they never had a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. And they, they uh, we buy into their head coach. He's made some analytical changes during the season last year when he could control some things. Um, and that's like in the heat of the moment, you know, spur of the moment. He's got to go from running back coach to all sudden uh, make these decisions as the offensive coordinator and he did a pretty good job down the stretch Um, however all of that being said the team that I kind of like is the Baltimore Ravens Uh, they're projected to finish third in this division and I think it really comes down to do you or do you not think Lamar Jackson can be a capable quarterback but you have to preface that with realizing that um, there are different types of quarterbacks in the league And there's different schemes in the league. And the reason I have a positive outlook is because the Ravens are actually doing what teams should be doing. And that's crafting their entire philosophy around the strengths of their quarterbacks. So they're going to get the most out of Lamar Jackson's upside that would be possible because of their open mind towards playing offensive football. And, you know, if you tried to get Tom Brady to play that way or, you know, Ben Roethlisberger to play that way, obviously it would be a colossal failure. But because Lamar is Lamar, he's going to have some success doing that. Now you can argue that the Chargers tried to counter that in the postseason and they had some success, but I'll, I'll throw back that in the fourth quarter, obviously the Chargers are playing a little bit more defensively, but once Lamar started throwing the football, the Ravens were able to move it. And the, I know that the Ravens regret not throwing the football earlier in that game. And I don't think that's going to be a situation this year. Yes, I would have liked Marquise Brown to be healthy. Uh, The reports are that he's not and that he's probably not going to be able to give you a full, complete, healthy season. Uh, So that's disappointing. But I still think that this team is going to be good enough defensively. um, And I'm really, you know, more optimistic than most on their offense. So I'm sort of buying them while the market's selling them. I don't love where their win total sits right now. They've been one of the teams that's been most bet towards the under. So there's no chance I'm going to lay eight to go over eight and a half. I'm going to wait a little bit and get eight. But that's a team that I would be uh, looking at. I think the Steelers, you know, they're they're being overlooked a little bit because there's so much hype on the Browns. Uh, But I don't really have a strong uh, conviction either way there. And then, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, I, I just don't know about the coaching there, A.J. Green. You know, that I, I think they're a team that has the potential to exceed their low win total. Um, certainly they were doing well enough to over the first half of the season before they suffered a lot of catastrophic injuries there. So I wouldn't be looking to go under their win total. Uh, that being said, I mean, they play the number one most difficult schedule of, of past defenses this year year so Andy Dalton and AJ Green if he's healthy won't have it easy Um, and it's just going to be a difficult road to hoe in my opinion because of their schedule but overall um, I think the Ravens is the team that I have the most affinity for here based on their current projected futures market. Raybon, there is a lot to talk about uh, with this division. You have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. uh, with the Browns uh, and they have a new head coach the Steelers Without Antonio Brown, uh, the Ravens really entering the Lamar Jackson era in full force, and then the Bengals without A.J. Green to begin the season. Where are you uh, most intrigued by this, uh, this division? Well, I think the Browns, to me, are an easy over bet. I mean, in their, on their win total, Browns to make the playoffs, you know, all, Browns to win the division. I think they're clearly a tier ahead of the of the Steelers and the Ravens who I think are a lot more closer to that that 500 mark where where the Browns are a lot closer to that 
we're pushing for kind of that, that, that top tier in the conference. I, I still don't think they're at the point that Kansas City is um, yet, but six games into the season, if I can see, you know, a sample size of them playing against, you know, and, and how that defense is coming together, I think they could enter that category. Uh, Baker Mayfield was just spectacular. He, a tenth of a point behind Baker Mayfield in yard per attempt once Freddie Kitchens took over. Again, passing efficiency, extremely predictive of success. They have a lot of talent at key defensive positions, you know, edge rusher. They have Miles Garrett. They have Ward at corner. So just a lot of talent. I think Todd Munkin, the, the OC, is going underrated as well because all this Kitchens talk and, and what, you know, some of the the concepts and ideas that he's going to, to bring to this offense. So, so I think the Browns clearly – that's the, that's who I feel most confident in. I think the Bengals are at the other end of the spectrum. I, I think they're. I don't think you know Zach Taylor is ready for what's about you know what what he's dealing with. I mean, you got three good, you got three solid to good teams in that division already. AJ Green's banged up. I mean, he could miss half the season. He hasn't played more than ten games in two of the last three years. I, I don't. I just don't think they have it. Their O line's already getting decimated. I, I see no way that they exceed any type of expectation. This year, and then the Steelers and Ravens are kind of in the middle. Warren's probably a little bit more bullish on the Ravens than I am. So, so they uh, Harbaugh promoted Greg Roman to OC. Wanted to just flip flop him and Morningweg, but Morningweg wasn't with it. So, whatever, he moved on. Looking back at you know, Roman had uh, Kaepernick, then he had Tyrod. So, like they they did have success uh, as team as as a team uh, on some levels in San you know in San Francisco. They didn't have it as much in Buffalo. But if you look at the quarterback specifically and their numbers, like the efficiency regressed year one to year two. So I worry that, you know, yeah, I think they will throw a little more with Lamar Jackson, but I just worry that it's really like having Greg Roman is just kind of kind of maximize the potential drop off rather than necessarily lead to any improvement. And one of the, the, the big reasons that I believe that when Lamar Jackson took over, they played the Bengals, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Chargers, and the Browns in the regular season. Every team but the Chargers just near the bottom of the league in, um, in DVOA on defense. It's just some of the – I mean, you're talking Raiders, uh, you know, Falcons by that point in the year. I mean, these were bad defenses. You know, Lamar Jackson kind of just got by throwing the football in those situations. And I, I don't think it's a positive that Mar- Marquis Brown has missed this much practice time. You know, I, I like Miles Boykin as a prospect, but I don't think you want to have him as your, your number one guy. I don't think Chris Moore is a star – like – is a starting caliber receiver in this league. And I don't know if Willie Sneed truly is a starting caliber slot receiver or, or should be any higher than like last on the pecking order of among your five options um, if he is out there playing every snap. So I, I think that I am a little bit concerned about the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, they're going to rely on, on a guy who's, you know, 30 for, for a large workload in Mark Ingram. So I, I think there are some concerns with the Ravens and then the Steelers. I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger, his accuracy is declining. It's going to be difficult, but, you know, the Steelers, they, they know how to play football in the sense that they're not afraid to throw the ball. Um, even, even with A.B. gone, I don't think they'll be afraid. So I think they'll win some games that just based on the fact that they are uh, aggressive and they tend to have a, a, a decent home field advantage and whatnot. But to me, it's like the Ravens and Steelers are kind of in that 8-8-ish eight and range. Browns probably easily double digit wins in my opinion and then Bengals just bottom of the league the bet that I'm most interested in at least to the downside here is the Bengals under I know Warren said that uh he was a little uncertain about it you can get it a a plus money right now under five and a half and I just I love that uh, because I do think that this is a a tough division the Bengals have three strong opponents 
Uh, the Steelers have continuity uh, with Roethlisberger at quarterback and continuity of the coaching staff. The Ravens have continuity uh, in the coaching staff, and the Browns, I think, are just poised to explode. The Bengals, I mean, it, Rayvon, you mentioned this, their offensive line is already decimated. Uh, I believe Clint Bowling retired right? And Jonah Williams, their uh, first rounder is injured for the season. AJ Green, who knows what we can expect out of him. He's aging and injured. John Ross uh, has really been a dud to this point, and he's dealing with hamstring issues. This is just uh, a a situation for me that I'm really looking to fade. Um, Warren, I would like some more thoughts if you have any on the Bengals. Uh, Under five and a half at plus money, uh, would that tempt you at all? Well, if you look at their schedule, you know, that's the, that's kind of the biggest thing that I, you know, was, was denoting that I have concerns with. And if you look at that, how it opens, I mean, you're playing on the road in Seattle week one and out of your first, you know, month and a half of games, you have to play a road game in Pittsburgh on Monday night football. You have to play in Baltimore. You have to play in Buffalo. All those teams have good defenses, right? And if we're talking about the offensive line having issues and some question marks as to how quick, you know, how quickly uh, Zach Taylor will pick things up as a play caller, working with the pieces that he has and potentially not having AJ Green, all of those things are a concern. Um, you factor in the home games they get, they're against the 49ers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. For the first seven weeks, those are the only three home games they get. What do we know about all three of those teams? New quarterbacks from last year. Those teams should all be better than what they were last year when you talk about the 49ers with Garoppolo, Kyler Murray is with Arizona, and Nick Foles is with Jacksonville, plus then they have to go to London week eight. I mean, that is a brutal first eight games of the season before their bye week. Um, And typically, you know, teams that are, whether they're demolished with injuries or just kind of like down on their luck, they're not having a good season, don't come out of the bye week and go gangbusters down the stretch, right? They do have a game against the Dolphins. If Raybon doesn't like the Jets so much, they do get to host the Jets week 13. Uh, But it is a tough slate to try to pick out what games we think that they've got a good shot at winning. And of course, when the linesmakers set their initial lines on the Bengals, they only had them favored in two games. Now that's through week 16, but week 17, they're playing the Browns. So unless the Browns are sitting everybody, they're not going to be favored that game either. So only two games that they were projected to be favorites this year. So hitting, you know, that six win mark, I think is a little bit uh, high based on what I've seen. You know, I was a little bit more neutral on them prior to the preseason, but with all the injuries starting to pile up on the line, like Chris mentioned, and you mentioned, Matt, and then the injuries to AJ Green, it's, it's just, there's less and less reasons for optimism in Cincinnati. We spent way too much time on the Bengals. Everyone out there, they're going to stink. Bet the under. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about the AFC South. Man, uh, I mean, with this, I feel like this conversation begins and ends in some way with Andrew Luck. His potential health or uh, his unhealthiness entering the season. Uh, and then you have the Texans, uh, the Jags, and the Titans. There's a lot to talk about in, in this conference too. Warren, what are your thoughts? First, I want to go by the teams that we don't know enough about because we know enough about uh, some of these teams, I think, to be off of them. And, and then the Colts, which is the team that I had the most optimism for, like, we don't really know 
what is the health status with Andrew Luck? So if you look at some of these other teams, like the team that won the division last year was the Houston Texans. Um, and they played the easiest schedule of opposing quarterbacks that I've recorded in any of the last four years. Uh, I wrote an article up at sharpfootballanalysis.com. They played just two quarterbacks who finished above average in success rate, nine backups and rookies that they played, uh, just an overall easy schedule. All those statistics are going to make your pass defense look solid. And when we saw this team go into the postseason, it was an easy fade for me when I got to take the Colts against the Texans, even though the game was in Houston, fade the Texans, take the Colts, money in the bank, the game was not close. And uh, this upcoming season, like it's night and day in terms of who this team is going to face. They go from the easiest schedule in the league to what I'm projecting as the most difficult schedule in the league. Uh, You look at all the great quarterbacks that they're going to face, I won't take up your time rattling off the terrible backups that they played last year. It's, it was ridiculous that a team could actually face these guys. Uh, but this year they have to play guys like Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Phillip Rivers. They played Brady last year. Uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston. Like All those guys say what you will. They had above average success rates last year and in most cases above average yards per attempt and passer ratings. Uh, they don't play unless these guys get injured. It's just going to be difficult. So I think the jump in class for them is going to be a challenge. That said, from a fantasy perspective, I'm high on what Deshaun Watson is going to do this year. They got some skillful receivers there. I really like their passing attack. Now they introduce, uh, right, they got the, they made the trade with the Cleveland Browns. They got a nice running back in there that I'm more optimistic on than, than many guys are to receive the ball out of the backfield to help augment the bad, bad O-line. But I'm still worried about that pass protection. I'm not buying the Tennessee Titans primarily because of the quarterback situation. I think the rest of the team is solid. I think the defense is fine. The run game, obviously, with Derrick Henry, like, will he hold up to the workload? Maybe he will. And so maybe they will be okay on the ground running the football. But I just have concerns as to, you know, this team is playing. They, they, they say they want to run the football. I know that they're getting back uh, Delaney Walker. They're going to have a better situation from a health perspective, hopefully. But I didn't like what I heard out of camp from Arthur Smith about his strategy as the new offensive coordinator this season. Um, And they play the second or third most difficult schedule of opposing run defenses this year. So that's going to be tough for a team that wants to run the football a lot. And last but not least, you know, I don't know what to make really of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't have a strong take on them either way. I think that it definitely helps to get a better quarterback in there. So that could help lift the team up. But I'm in some ways not really sold on Nick Foles and John DeFilippo working well together with totally different pieces in a different city. They worked well together for a limited time in Philadelphia, but that was with a different co- head coach overall, a different philosophy, and a different you know set of skill players around them. I'm not so sure how much that's going to work down in Jacksonville, but uh, I, I don't think I'm high or low on them. I'm just pretty much neutral. All right, Rayvon, last year it was uh, kind of a staple for us to go back and forth debating the Colts and the Texans. What are your thoughts on this division, uh, especially those two top teams? Yeah, so... <sighs> I think the Colts, I mean, I'm, I'm right with, with, I think, you know, everybody, it seems like that I'm extremely high on the Colts or I was, I guess you could say, but I don't know what's going on with Andrew Luck. It's not comforting that they're saying he's dealing with a, uh, an injury since March that hasn't healed and they're kind of giving quotes and being vague and it's just kind of concerning, you know, it's like, why would they be forthcoming if, if he was not, not well or, or going to miss some time? That being said, huge fan of, 
their organization as a whole. Uh, Frank Reich, Matt Eberflus on defense. And so I think an underrated thing about the Colts is that two years ago, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett was able to get a full entire year of NFL experience uh, starting uh, as the quarterback. Now, it was a bad team. Then the new regime came over and, you know, they started out slow, but turned it around extremely quickly. I think there's reason to believe that with, Briss- with Jacoby Brissett in that, having been now been in the system with Frank Reich uh, behind Andrew Luck, you know, he's getting that same experience kind of in terms of what they're bringing to the organization. So I think if they have to go out there now with Jacoby Brissett instead of Luck, given how high we were before on them, I think it would be foolish to kind of back out. I think from an odds perspective, the way you want to play it is right now, in my opinion, and, and, I, and I do agree that the Texans have a tough schedule, but it's really just this division has a tough schedule. If you're in this division, your schedule is difficult. You got about the Texans, in my opinion, right now, because their odds are still, the markets really haven't adjusted to, to luck yet. So you're still getting the Texans 300 to win the division, plus 146 to make the playoffs. You know, I, I, like, I like the plus 300 to, make, to win the division. I think they have a better shot than that, even if Andrew Luck is healthy. I mean, these, I just think that they're a very good team. Deshaun Watson has continuous been near the top of the league in in yards per attempt the the the, um you know I think the O-line will be better um this might be the first time he gets to play with healthy receivers so I think right now plus 300 I'm taking the Texans to win that division now if they're if Andrew Luck is is announced out I think those odds may eventually flip I think the the Texans may eventually become the favorite um for that division or or, and the odds will change that's when you want to bet the Colts because I think that they'll have a lot more success with Brissett this go around uh, under this coaching staff than they did last time all right, Warren, the Colts right now have the win total of nine and a half. Uh, if Luck is out, or it, it seems like he's going to miss some time, where do you think that number drops to? Well, it, it really depends on um, you know what that projection is. And what we've seen, unfortunately, from the Colts in the past, I mean, this is like Chris mentioned, this is what I would do if I was running that ship. Uh, but it's not going to help sports betters out very much. You're going to be completely vague. You know, it was like a week before or two weeks before the week one back in, what was it, 2017, before we even knew that Andrew Luck wasn't going to play. So I have no confidence that they're going to be forthcoming and with with what the actual prognosis is for how much time he's going to miss, that will help odds makers or betters enough. So I think the odds makers probably will just react by balancing the money as best they can. I mean, you either take it down and repost at a lower number or you just let some of the bets come in and just keep over, you know, slightly over adjusting it. So where it settles becomes uh, what's the appetite for the under money from sharp bettors. But Chris made a good point. Right now is not a great time to bet any overs on the Colts. Obviously, take Andrew Luck's situation aside. The Colts were a really hot team early this preseason for a variety of reasons that were all I agree with and bet towards the over. So betting them over now is not good. Betting them under now is good. But where this ultimately settles, I think it's it's tough to forecast. A different question is how many games would they actually win if Andrew Luck, let's say, didn't play at all this year or only played half the season. And we all, all three of us know how valuable Andrew Luck is to the line. And I agree with Chris. I mean, Indianapolis Colts, what was that in the 2017 season? Uh, Jacoby Brissett, they actually led them to leads, I think, in nine of their 16 
yeah. games entering the fourth quarter. I did a whole study on that, and 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 the Colts like reviewed that too. So they they knew that that was something that was going on, and some of the play calling and decision making in those fourth quarters was bad. And I trust their current head coach a lot more than I did their last one to make the right decision. So th- the issue is like, when are you going to get that value? They would have to like take it off the board, repost it at a much lower number, continue to take some public under money thinking Brissett sucks. Then you would find some more value in backing the Colts over. That's probably the only time I would think that you would want to make a bet on one of the overs for their futures unless uh, that scenario occurred. All right, really interesting there. For me, the uh, one bet I really like uh, is Titans under. Maybe I'm, I'm too pessimistic on this. I just can't see them winning eight games, uh, in part because I, I do think highly of the Colts, the Texans, and, and the Jags. You know, they have a, a tough defense, and they, they could be significantly better this year with a new quarterback. Uh, but the Titans, it seems like just kind of rolling back the same version of what they did last year, except now they have more of an inexperienced play caller. Uh, really just kind of hard to see, for me, a path to uh, to 500. Uh, Rayvon, do you have any thoughts on the Titans or the Jags? You didn't mention them yet. Yeah, I, I think the Jaguars are clearly the, the better of those two teams. Um, so here's where kind of understanding the coaching comes into play, right? Last season, when the Jaguars, you know, gain even a yard on first down, even a yard, it could be second and nine. They run over 50% of the time on second down. They're one of the most predictable teams in the league. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he didn't even crack three yards a carry on second down. I mean, it was just bad because they were unpredictable. John Filippo, he gets fired for essentially doing the right thing in Minnesota, which was he, the Minnesota was fourth. And I'm getting this from Sharp Football Stats, a great site by Warren, so you can kind of cut up these splits uh, really quickly. I just did it uh, on the fly right now. But fourth in the week uh, in pass rate in those same situations. Mike Zimmer just wasn't happy with it. But Filippo understood that that they had a – what he was working with. Their line wasn't good. They couldn't just run, you know, with Dalvin Cook or Latavius Murray into a wall um, on second and long all the time. So it's either you pass on first down to get ahead of the chains or, you know, you you, you pass when you're behind the stick. So I think Warren alluded to it too. It's like Arthur Smith, I don't think he – is going to do that because they had success down the stretch doing the opposite, you know, right there with the Jaguars. Um, they passed only 43% of the time if they gained even one yard on, on first down. So they, it's, it's just absurd because rushing is obviously less efficient uh, than passing in the NFL. And I think the Titans are going to, to get caught up in that trap. Whereas the Jaguars, let's remember Foles has worked together with Whitney Filippo before Foles has worked with what, who's going to be a major part of their offense now in Chris Conley. D.D. Westbrook played 90% of his slots, uh, snaps in the slot was uh, highly effective in that role talented play like and now if you kind of the play calling gets better now Leonard Fournette actually becomes a weapon again you know I think it's kind of we're overly down on Fournette because of some ugly yard per carry numbers but at the same time then we go and turn around and say hey yard per carry regresses to the means so it's like you can't have it both ways the bottom line is he's a talented player um, and they used him horribly last year and they admittedly said they were hiding Blake Bortles because he would turn the ball over Nick Foles rarely has turned the ball over especially in the regular season over these past few years so I think you could see kind of a and with that defense I think you could see a team that can do just enough on offense um that I that I think that there is a little bit of value on on, on betting they're they're over eight because you could still push at eight and I think if they have to match up with the Titans that this you know they'll beat them high on the Jags low on the Titans all right the AFC West we have the Chiefs at the top. We have the Chargers, uh, I think a very strong number two team in that division. And then we have the Broncos and the Raiders. I don't want to say total dumpster fires, but that argument 
could be made if someone wanted to make it. Uh, Warren, uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers, this division in general, what are your thoughts? This division, I've got probably the least conviction out of any of the four in the AFC. I think there's not a ton of value on the futures market for any of these teams, but I will say that I do like, you know, who's not going to like the Chiefs. I think it stems from the quarterback and play caller and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I think that those guys are two of the very best in their profession at their respective trades. And it's hard not to like what the Chiefs have tried to do defensively to get a little bit better. We didn't know for a while if Tyreek Hill was going to be here and Tyreek Hill is here as is Nicole Hardman. Um, So, you know, just the speed that they've got offensively. I know there's some running back questions and Damian Williams, that's not ideal because I don't have a lot of belief in some of the things that Carlos Tide has done around the league and the statistic that he put up, regardless of where he's been playing, have been bested by the the other backs on those rosters. So I, I really don't love his upside um, just as what he's going to be able to contribute to this offense. It's hard not to like what they've done. And then, you know, like you said, the Chargers are really good number two team. I I think you can play off the fact that some less experienced betters might be scared off of them because of the Melvin Gordon situation. And as that holdout continues towards the start of the season, that's a time where maybe some more of those guys get involved and and would bet the under there. And you could take advantage of that if the odds get even whacked out a little bit more out of where they should be, because uh, I think all of us realize the value of running backs and, um, the production they get from Austin Eckler and, and Jackson, some of their other guys is probably not going to be that much of a drop off from Elvin Gordon. I uh, would like it if Phillip Rivers would sneak the ball once in a while and get some upside there on short yardage plays. But uh, overall, it's a very good team that, that I think has a, a legitimate shot. Uh, the problem is they, you know, they need to be able to get, get enough distance on the Kansas city chiefs to be able to make something like that happen. And, uh, and then last but not least, I mean, the Broncos and the Raiders, yes, I'm not a Joe Flacco fan. Uh, I've made that pretty obvious. He has a big arm, but he doesn't use it well. Like his deep passing accuracy is very poor. Uh, his, his short range accuracy is not ideal either. I don't love the fact that they're dealing with injuries at their wide receiver position, having to rely on a lot of young guys. And I mean, the Raiders, I just am off of them. I'm not even worrying about going over or under. I think I'm just going to watch the circus show uh, for what they're going to do the rest of this preseason. All right, Raybon, how are you approaching the AFC West? Kansas City over, win total, immediately. Andy Reid, 6-0 and with the Chiefs, over the win total. Uh, in Philadelphia, 14 years, nine times over the win total. The Chiefs are just playing at such a high level. I mean, really, they should have been in the Super Bowl. If, if we're being serious. And I think then we're looking at it a lot different. Like it's, if the win total, it's 10 in a lot of places. I mean, that is, that is, and I vehemently dislike betting overs on, on double digits or really anything kind of, you have to be good for me to bet the over when you're already above 500 um, because there is just so much regression and unpredictability in the NFL and, and whatnot. The Kansas city chiefs, I mean, even a guy like Carlos Hyde. So, you know, he's one 14th of 115 running backs uh, since he came into the league in yards per target, um, you know, catching the ball, not a good pass catcher, but you kind of look at even why they would bring a guy in like that in the first place. And it, it just so happens that they, they're kind of making some changes along the O line and they have some, some guys that are a little stronger there and, and not, and not as athletic. So they can, they can run some more power at times. And when they do that, that's where Hyde kind of excels. He is a lot better. If you look at his career numbers, running the ball from under center than the shotgun, when they're in the shotgun, it's still going to be Damian Williams. Um, Damian Williams excels 
out of the shotgun. He excels catching the ball and running routes. And he can even, you can even do some things where you split him out, uh, out wide and, and kind of run him back into the backfield and, and see what the defense is doing. So everyone there is going to be there for a purpose and they're, maxim- they're going to maximize the value of their players. And I think the defense has some upside considering they usually have, they have one of the best home field advantages in the league. And then you kind of add some pieces like, you know, a Tyron Matthew and, and a Frank Clark. And, and, you know, yeah, could some teams score some points on them or, or will it turn into shootouts? Sure. But I think the defense could be better than, than last year. Uh, you know, they got, they got rid of Bob Sutton, who played really poor defense, uh, kind of an underrated factor in them blowing that game to the Patriots after, you know, D Ford jumped off sides, just terrible, you know, letting Julian Edelman go right down the middle. So I think the Chiefs, easy bet for me, even to win the division. I mean, I think the, I think the, the over is the best bet here, but even to win the division, uh, I think they, they have some, they could get some distance on the Chargers because, I mean, the Chargers are clearly the second best team. Clearly, uh, the schedule hasn't even been that bad, but I mean, Keenan Allen, he's, he's had some injuries over these past few years. He, you know, sometimes he stays healthy, but he's been prone to injury. If this team loses Keenan Allen, I don't know how they pass the football. It, it's a totally different offense if you take Keenan Allen out, because Mike Williams is essentially a tight end out there. Like he's Quincy Anunua. He's a glorified Quincy Anunua who can actually catch touchdowns. Hunter Henry, I mean, he's, he's a certain type of receiver. He's a very solid guy, but he's not George Kittle. He's not a guy you're throwing to 85 times for, for, for 1,200 yards. It's just a slow offense that has like four tight ends and three fullbacks. They're gonna. They already played some of the most heavy personnel in the league last year, and that's why they their tempo is really slow. They have you know, when you're shuffling these Derek Watts and, and Virgil Greens in and out of the lineup on third down. Obviously, it's good. so you know they're dangerously close to like they're really good, but they're dangerously close to just being this totally different team where they just be like this defensive team that uh, their quarterback has no mobility. I mean, it, it could be bad if anything happens to Keenan Allen. So I'm not inclined to really bet over on them. And then Broncos, I think they, they got Joe Flacco, um, you know, f- f- also because of kind of a, a, what they're trying to do schematically. I think uh, Rich Gangerillo is the OC. He's coming over from San Francisco, was a quarterback's coach there under Kyle Shanahan. So if you remember, San Francisco is one of those teams that they run a lot of uh, – plays with the quarterback under center. They are not, you know, most teams operate out of the shotgun 60% of the time. That's not how they operate. And that's kind of what Scandrillo is um, planning to do. And so you look at then um, Joe Flacco and he has been better, you know, throughout his career, a a half yard better in yards per attempt under center uh, than from the gun. So you're going to kind of, and last season, he averaged 7.9 yards per attempt under center, which, by the way, is about a half yard more than Aaron Rodgers has averaged, period, over these last five years, but, but 6.2 from the shotgun. So that's obviously what they're looking now. Is it going to be a success? I don't, that remains to be seen. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily think that John Elway has made a lot of good decisions personnel-wise, but I understand why they, at least, I understand why they got Flacco, and I think they are, at least are going to put him in like uh, the best – chance to be successful given his limitation so you know Denver I think the number is fair I think the real value here is is, again it's just the Kansas City Chiefs over 10 wins Um, this should be the best team in the National Football League and even if their defense is bad they should be able to outscore every other team they face. Rayvon did you mention the Raiders there I don't believe you did because if you did I'm sure you would have said oh we need to pound the under because they're going to lose the first seven games of the season and then after the after that they will just curl into the fetal position and tank the rest of their games uh, as Antonio Brown walks away from the team and Derek Carr is benched what are your thoughts on under six wins for the Raiders yeah I mean so the only thing that worries me is that listen you play the Broncos twice 
And that's the thing with the Broncos. You know, you don't know. Like you, when, you, when you don't know with the Broncos, like the that's the kind of team the Raiders beat. So if the Raiders, let's say the Raiders go two and zero against the Broncos, I mean, let's say they go one and one to be fair. Okay, okay, fine, fine. You you got Detroit, who you can beat. You got Cincinnati, who you can beat. You go to the Jets, which I think I think you can beat. Um, you host Tennessee, which I think you can beat. Um, and then you have you start the year hosting Denver. You know, so okay, that's one. It's so like there are ways for this team to kind of get. There, I think you said six and a half, probably a six win team, probably still lean under, but I think I'm a lot more confident that with the Chiefs like, going over than I am with anything to do with the Raiders. Cause I mean, it's just so, we don't know. Like, we don't yeah. know. Like, I, I will say this not a fan of Derek Carr. Don't know if they're going to be able to incorporate Tyrell Williams into that offense very well because he's a guy that doesn't get much separation, kind of goes down the field. So, I mean, it, it could explode in a hurry. Um, but I mean, they could also start the year one and zero because they host Denver. So, Warren, um, I'd, I'd like your thoughts on uh, not necessarily even just uh, the the Raiders here, but teams that have a really difficult first half of the season where you can pretty much predict this team is going to like this is the hard stretch of their season, and then maybe they have some games they could win in the second half. But at that point, they're a very different team. They're already thinking of themselves as not a playoff team. They're a team that's preparing for next season. Have you thought about ways or have you kind of back-tested some of this just to see how it is that when the schedule breaks down at different points, how to approach that as someone who's betting or handicapping? Well, uh, yeah, there definitely are some uh, things that you could look at. I think the psyche of teams and understanding kind of their their mindset, their coaching staff's decision making uh, is is very valuable. I think uh, like if we look at this season over the first eight weeks, the New York Jets are the team that certainly qualify for me to to, to fall into that category. They have the number one most difficult schedule uh, over the first eight weeks of the season. And if you look at them um, over the last half of the season, their schedule gets dramatically easier. I mean, over the first eight games, forget the home game against Buffalo. They've got the, which is week one. Okay, hopefully they'll win that game. They've got Cleveland, the Patriots, the Eagles the Cowboys, the Patriots again, and then a road game in Jacksonville against the Jaguars team who we think could be a little bit better, that could really be a disaster. And then that second half stretch, and they, they play some games they certainly should win. They've got the Dolphins twice, the Redskins, the Giants, the Raiders, and the Bengals, who we were talking about as being a little bit lower on. So, you know, that's, that's what they get their next six weeks right after facing that brutal schedule. So that's a team. Uh, the Oakland Raiders, as you kind of mentioned, they've got, uh, based upon projected win totals, they've got the second most difficult schedule over the first eight weeks of the season. You know, some teams that have, like, more playoff aspirations that shouldn't have to deal with that so much would be like the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. Both of them have very difficult schedules over the first eight weeks, but they're better than average teams and they should be able to kind of like get by those without like going into full, like, you know, they, they have quarterbacks, right? So they're not going to go into situations where we need quarterbacks. We need this, like, I don't think they'd be in that situation. And plus, which at least for Bill O'Brien, you know, he's now in a, he's in a win now mode. Uh, when you look at like John Gruden and Adam Gase, the, the two teams with the most difficult schedules, they're kind of building for the future anyways, uh, to some extent. You want to maximize your ability to win during Sam Darnold's 
uh, rookie season, but I don't think anybody's thinking they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. So having some nice draft picks in the future because they are terrible this year wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That said, I mean, Adam Gase and, and Joe Douglas, I don't think they're going to come in, come in and like lose games intentionally. But you're absolutely right. It is something to look at and to consider when you're factoring it in, especially for for some coaches that might have a little bit longer leash, be it they're in their first year or to something like that. All right, this has been great. Warren, one last question. Your favorite Super Bowl bet, it doesn't have to be in the AFC. It could be AFC, NFC, anything you see on the board right now, your favorite bet for the Super Bowl. Well, I actually don't have like a singular uh, bet that I've made yet on a team to win the Super Bowl. So I can't say like out of my own bankroll what I've done. But what I will say from a philosophical perspective is that if you look at the AFC, you're generally getting, you know, the teams that make it to the AFC are the tend to be the favorites, whereas the NFC three out of the last four years, the team to win the NFC was lined at between 20 to one and 40 to one over the last three out of the last four years. I mean, those are tremendous odds just to win the NFC, which basically says that like, we don't have a powerhouse in the NFC. So if you want to look at like some teams that might have the ability to win as a longer shot, I would be looking in the NFC. And then the one thing that you're going to want to focus on is, you know, if you want like a reasonable uh, opportunity, which team is likely to get a first round buy? That's always a beneficial philosophy to look at. And I'm going to look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're not the long shot we're talking about here, but that team certainly uh, right now, I think it's the Rams and the Saints are projected to win the one and two seed, but they're a team who could easily with their schedule, which I project is, I think it's like the third easiest in the NFL, get a first round buy and have the edge towards, you know, being able to make it to the Super Bowl, which is very important. If you want like the longer shot type of a team, you're going to want to look at these teams where the divisions are very up in the air. I would say like the NFC North and the NFC South are two teams where they've uh, two divisions where you've got kind of cases to be made for three out of those four teams, which inherently is going to lower their odds overall to win the Super Bowl. And so you might be able to find some value there. But in terms of like one singular team, unfortunately, I haven't isolated uh, one specific one, nor have I done anything yet. All right, Warren, what content should people check out at Sharp Football Analysis and Sharp Football Stats? Well, we've got a few new writers on board for sharpfootballanalysis.com, writing up a lot of great content and uh, transferring over to one of your guys' old buddies, Rich Rebar, uh, who's been providing us with some fantasy content as well. So there's a lot of good uh, information there just to read up on. Most of it's free. And then at Sharp Football Stats, I mean, as Chris mentioned, that's just for research, a free research site. Guys put up a ton of different visualizations and update them every single Sunday night after the games are played uh, so that people can kind of visualize some data and, and filter things and cut them up the way that you guys want to. So definitely happy with both of those right now, and all, but always continuing to look to, uh, to get better and, and, and provide more value to the marketplace. All right, be sure to follow Warren on Twitter at Sharp Football. Uh, Warren, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you can follow Chris and me in the Action Network app at Chris Raybon and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and tracker bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. 